0: From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWin. Let's get started. This Thursday, September 12th, the Miami Beach Chamber of Commerce's Real Estate Council and the Miami Association of Realtors will host their 23rd annual real estate luncheon and panel discussion taking place this year at Faina Forum. Themed diversifying our real estate to diversify our economy, the event will feature a solution driven panel discussion and exploration on a variety of hot topics impacting Miami Beach. Among those topics include strategies that will attract different types of industries to Miami Beach while building Class A office space you <laughs> cultivating incubators, as well as co-working spaces, and developing different housing types to keep our workforce on Miami Beach while reducing traffic. In general, the conversation will include ways Miami Beach can use its real estate in creating a more diverse economy, and at the helm of that conversation is Susan Eskew, founder and editor of RE Miami Beach, and my guest on today's show. Her panel will include a slew of real estate heavyweights, including Alicia Severa La Madrid, managing partner of Severa Real Estate, friend of the pod, and my co-host for today. So Susan, Alicia. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Hi, Omar. Thanks for having us.
0: Hello. I'm excited to have you here for this special Miami Real Estate Podcast preview of the 23rd Annual Luncheon, uh, as I mentioned, taking place this Thursday. Uh, So what we want to do is give our listeners a little overview of what they can expect, and especially those uh, real estate professionals working in and around Miami Beach, an idea of what they can expect at the event. So um, Susan, just to jump right into it, if you could please Uh, give us an idea of um, sort of, I know one of the main topics you mentioned is the overlying question of what does Miami Beach want to be? So could you please sort of expand on that and and sort of give us a little color there?
2: Sure, there's been a little bit of maybe um, an identity crisis in Miami Beach recently. Uh, We've been a tourist destination. We have been a destination for second homeowners. Um, But there's now a, a discussion going on about how we create more of a live-work-play environment where people live on the beach, work on the beach, um, enjoy entertainment on the beach um, as a way to diversify uh, who's on our beach, diversify the economy, but also look at ways to maybe um, solve some of our transportation um, issues. The thing that we're grappling with is what's happening across the bridge in, in Miami and competition um, that is diverting people um, away from Miami Beach that we haven't seen before, and that's creating uh, certainly some tensions within the economy. Um, so, looking at uh, what we want to be, and then how we get there,
0: uh, fascinating. And Alicia, as somebody who has um, you know great experience with Miami Beach and going back to you know the '90s and and sort of developing South of Fifth. What's your take on sort of what this this idea of what Miami Beach wants to be and and how to get there?
1: Well, I think that in the same way that Miami Beach is going through a kind of crisis now, that the city went through a similar crisis. And so um, what I would love to see is that we kind of meet on common ground now. When I travel around the world selling Miami um, and Miami Beach, I what I always say is we have the privilege of being two cities in one. In most of the world, if you live in Paris, you have to go all the way to Saint-Tropez to be at a beach. You know, If you live in, in Madrid, you have to go all the way to the coast to, to get, be on the beach. The same thing happens in New York. You have to go to the Hamptons. In Sao Paulo, you have to go to Rio. Well, in Miami, we're both a t- traditional city and a phenomenal beach resort and city as well. So rather than compete with each other, I think that we've always had tremendous synergies and that the real opportunity is how do we capitalize on those and make it a one big marketing platform that will elevate us faster.
0: Absolutely. And then in, in terms of, uh, I think, Susan, in terms of development, uh, bal- balancing the city's interest for generating revenue, let's say, with quality of life, uh, resiliency, mm-hmm. and the sea level rise conversation conversation and, and preservation, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on that and sort of what are we getting into on, on Thursday on that topic?
2: So. Certainly, we will not be able to solve that problem um, within <laughs> the, the time frame of the panel. But there is a push-pull. There is certainly a realization that we have some serious resiliency issues and flooding in Miami Beach. And new development is required to build at higher elevations. So that is not an issue. But we are very limited on the amount of space. It's a seven square mile island, and most of it is built. So the question is, adaptive reuse, um, adaptive reuse of some of these historic properties contributing buildings. Um, But again, the push-pull between nostalgia um, and the things that attracted people to Miami Beach, the Art Deco buildings, for example, and architecture. Is there a way to adaptively reuse that? Does that involve rebuilding it the same as it was? Does that involve raising it up, incorporating it into these newer buildings? And that is certainly a debate that is happening within the land use boards right now of how do you, when you're the first, for example, versus if you're the 10th. When you're the 10th, the landscape is already changing. But when you're the first, there is certainly resistance um, and and still trying to figure out what it is um, that we want to be. So there's a lot of conversation going on around that. There are people though who would also say, let's make that part of our identity. We are a leader in resiliency. We're a leader in resilient building. So is that something that we, we want to, to be? Height in Miami Beach is so controversial, but do we have to look at height in order to allow more green space? So um, there are people who will say, you know, density, the density of this is the same as the density of this. right? But this can create low boxy development where this might be a high rise with a lot of green space. The 500 Alton Road property is one of those. But there is that issue of height um, versus low scale development and green space, which we need to absorb water and allow the city to be more resilient.
1: Again, not dissimilar from what the city went through. You know, when, when I got to Miami, I'm not going to say how many years ago, but suffice it to say <laughs> it was a lot. It was a very horizontal city. But then um, the way people live changes. And I I always say that moms like to be next to their kids. So when they were at home in the suburbs because they weren't working, it was okay that the schools were out there. But as we all came into the city and started working, then we needed schools in the urban centers so that we could be close to our kids. And ultimately, we decided who wants to drive all the way out there. So the city started going vertical. And we started embracing that density. And, and in embracing that density, you lose some some of the historical features, but you also gain some of them because all of a sudden we became much more walkable. We started opening up street cafes. We started meeting our neighbors again. Kids and moms were actually meeting, you know, for maybe a quick bite in the middle of the day or to go do some reading and these, these values that I think are fundamental and that is um, at the base of our keeping our nostalgia close to our heart, came back in very unique ways. So I think that it's it's very possible you've already done some of that rezoning, certainly with all all the things you're doing around the Mid-Beach area that's gonna permit higher density, that's gonna increase the quality of life for people that now are fighting to get into those parks and fighting to get into that very beautiful area with all of those amenities that are already alive, but are gonna be invigorated. And the other thing is that, why limit yourself to the footprint of Miami Beach? Why not just decide you're gonna get bigger and embrace you know, parts mm-hmm. of Miami? Maybe you just say, okay, Miami Beach is now gonna go all the way into Miami east of I-95. And we're just going to embrace that because people are going to the design district already. People are going to PAM already. People are going to Wynwood already. People are going to the restaurants in downtown. They're going to the heat. So why separate ourselves from that? The city has been using Miami Beach forever to sell itself because we're right by the beach. So why not start flipping that around in the other direction?
2: And we do that for the Super Bowl, the Democratic National Convention, right? Yeah. These the county, the city, and the beach came together to sell itself as a as a package. And what a win, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And then uh, I I do want to touch on um, I know traffic is one of the topics that we'll be discussing uh, on Thursday. What uh, and I'll admit whenever I you know I go to the beach I live uh, you know here on the mainland in Brickell, when I go to the beach I have to um, strategically choose you know which. Causeway, I come over, am I driving through Dade? Because the,
2: the traffic can <laughs> yeah, be, exactly. you know, it's like I'm
0: losing even more hair while, while I'm driving through there. But um, what what are you seeing, Susan, in terms of um, progress to sort of remedy that? And, and what is the future of traffic on Miami Beach look like?
2: In the near term, it's kind of dismal with the construction going on, right? The repairs to the MacArthur Causeway, the new Signature Bridge. Ultimately, I think everybody thinks it will get Better, hopefully, um, but we're discussing the whole um, mass transit. What will it look like? Will it be light rail? Will it be bus? what What will it be, and what will be acceptable to the residents of Miami Beach? You know, they did not want the light rail coming in um, for for a number of reasons. Also, the location of it. You know, there's been a focus on the MacArthur Causeway and the beach. You know, residents will say the Julia Tuttle. Is far more trafficked, and you have people coming into work, but then people who are just taking a left-hand turn, right, and they're heading north out of the city of Miami Beach. That traffic is also impacting uh, the city. So how do we get there? And you know, I think Alicia has a little bit of a history with this. This is I'm fairly new, five-year full-time resident, um, but I think we were talking earlier about the. This has been a long time coming, and we're not it's, here yet. It has been. And I think that the
1: Julia Tuttle has become much more viable 20 years later, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because um, 20 years ago, the city was so concentrated by the MacArthur and the Venetian causeway that the Julia Tuttle was all the way over there. Well, now it's <laughs> right here. <laughs> so to to have that as a point of connectivity may, in fact, be the right point of connectivity. So I think that that's... Um, That we've grown in that direction because there's conversation about where is the center of the city now anyway? You know, when I was growing up in Miami, downtown was shuttered up. So it was not considered the center of the city at all. Maybe Coconut Grove was the center. It's where we went to the theater. It's where we went to restaurants. It's where we went shopping. That has shifted. It has shifted north. And um, with that shift, I think, is the opportunity to create that connectivity on the Julia Tuttle. Why not? And if that works better for the beach, and I think there's a, a strong argument there mm-hmm. to be said that people can go south and they can go north, makes all the sense in the world. Right.
0: Talking about north, uh, last question for you, Susan, here is um, North Beach. There's a lot of buzz, right? But development hasn't necessarily happened yet. So what, what's uh, going on there? Hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. North Beach has a lot of hope a lot of potential. There have been a number of new zoning initiatives to try to create the town center. Some of this is the little chicken and the egg. Um, you know, Sylvia Coltrane, her hotel project was approved several years ago, and she's had difficulty attracting a hotel flag because nothing else is happening around it yet. So you're taking a leap of faith in coming into, in, into North Beach. Um, there is also a debate over short-term rentals. And it is an area where short-term rentals are permitted. So getting projects approved, even though the zoning has been approved, if you want to do things like co-living, which is a brand new concept in the city of Miami Beach, not in the city of Miami. It has been very successfully implemented here in in the city of Miami. But there is a fear that the co-living arrangements, instead of becoming a place where maybe millennials will come in for a year, it may become a daily rental and more like a hotel. The people who are in favor of co-living will tell you that zoning has existed there for a long time and no one has come in and built a hotel. Right. So again, there's this push-pull and somebody's got to get a shovel in the ground and get something built and I don't know when that will happen, but that's one of the things we'll talk about on the panel with one of the larger landowners in Town Center.
0: Excellent. So um, once again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. This is a special preview of Thursday's 23rd Annual Real Estate Luncheon, right, presented by the Miami Beach uh, Chamber of Commerce's Real Estate Council and the Miami Association of Realtors. Uh, This is Susan Eskew, the author of and founder of RE Miami Beach. So if you want to read Uh, More about all the exciting things happening on uh, Miami Beach we will include a link to your show notes. Um, Alicia, thank you for being here as well, managing partner of Surveyor Real Estate. You'll be on the panel with, as you mentioned, Matisse Cohen, principal of Kahuna Properties, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Roy Greenberg, real estate developer and owner's uh, rep of RB Green Company. So you mentioned it's an interactive uh, discussion right on, on Thursday. Yeah, there so. will
2: be. And also Michael Schveau, uh, who is uh, doing his first project in Miami Beach, the Raleigh Hotel, um, beloved Raleigh Hotel, yes, and a couple of, of, of the other uh, hotels um, adjacent to it that he's just recently purchased. And um, it will be interactive. So I'll ask questions. But what will be really fun is to see the dialogue amongst the members of the panel as well.
0: Absolutely. And so um, for our listeners out there, it's, uh, remind me the time and the details for those. It is interested. 11
2: to 1 at the Faena Forum. Um, lunch starts at noon. Panel gets underway about 1230. Um, we'll do about a half an hour with the panel, 10, 15 minutes Q&A from the audience, and we'll have you out of there by 1.30.
0: Amazing. So great networking, great networking, great insights, uh, great conversation. If you want to get a special discount for the event, you can email events at miamibeachchamber.com. Mention you're a Miami Real Estate Podcast listener. Danny will get you a special rate. So from here in Miami, where the future is always bright, we'll see you guys next time.
1: Thank you. Thank Allah. you. Thank you, Susan.